Welcome to the Plastic Pleasing Store Podcast. We are your hosts, Trey the Explainer. And me, Miles Grab. A podcast about the natural world. Things that people claim are part of the natural world. And things that used to be. Okay, and we're back with another episode. We got Trey, of course. How you doing, hello, buddy? Hello, I'm doing good. I'm doing all right. What have you been up to? Uh, lo- losing all my photos from like the past year. Oh, yeah. It's a very uh, uh, tragic event. Yeah, that, that stunk, but I, I'm recovering slowly, slowly but surely. Yeah. Well, how about you? I'm, do- I'm doing good. You know, uh, Comic-Con went really awesome for me. Nice. And um, Clovis, my paleontology comic, just got picked up by a publisher. Ooh. So it's going to be, you know, distributed um, nationally and internationally. So that's pretty awesome. That's awesome, man. Good yeah. Man. And then today we have a very special guest on the show. We're just going to get right into it because we're so happy to have him. And now it's time for another Plastic Please Sort podcast intro. <laughs> um, Blake, the host and creator of Monster Talk, one of the premier um, paranormal skeptic folktale kind of podcast is on the show today. Blake, we're glad to have you. Hey, I'm glad to be here. This is cool. Yeah, awesome. So why don't you tell um, the listeners a little bit about yourself, Blake? Sure. I'm a writer and researcher and computer nerd living in Georgia, and I am the host and uh, producer of Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. And I also am working through the series In Search of, the 1970s version with uh, Jeb Card. I, I co-host Monster Talk with Dr. Karen Stolznow. Who's also I, great. She is. And then I co-host In Research of with Dr. Jeb Card. So I am the um, uncredentialed pun guy. And then they have, you know, their degrees and whatnot. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel that, man. I'm always the guy with no, like degree or formal science education just hanging out with all the people yeah, with degrees uh, and stuff here's for the autodidacts out there yeah, yeah. cheers <laughs> i'm the humanities guy you know you gotta have me around I'm yeah yeah guy. yeah so i i was working on an english degree when i realized uh i i stopped to go into the navy when i came back um i went into it work because i just always had a sort of inclination towards that kind of work and i was paying my way through college doing it work and then i realized at some point I'm making more as a, you know, low level IT guy than I ever will as a English major or teacher or whatever. So yeah, that I, I had to follow the money and I, I, yeah. I still regret not finishing the degree and I may still get that done. At some yeah, point. I, I feel you, dude. I, I yeah. started with like English lit. Right. And then I went into um, biology with a focus on like human evolution, anthropology. Mm-hmm. And then my first comic after the gold rush came out and then it like made more than I ever made in one month, you know? Yeah. And I yeah. was like, well, uh, goodbye. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I mean, I never stopped learning. Right. I mean, yeah. like, you know, I, I always continue to read and, sure. you know, learn things, but I, I, I do regret not finishing off. It just annoys me. So, yeah, yeah. but and, I won't dwell train. on that. We, we, you know, we produce good things. We help people and I, I like this kind of stuff. So I'm glad to participate. Are you still in school? Right? I am. I am still in school. Yeah, you're you're yeah. studying. So you got the sweet YouTube money and you're got to get a degree. I know so. YouTube, YouTube. I think I'm going to make more on YouTube than any other job I'll have in like my future. Which there you is go, buddy. Funny, <laughs> which is good. But yeah, that's amazing. So, <laughs> so very for, cool. So for Thank people you. that haven't listened to Monster Talk, obviously you cover monsters and talking. Um, so we got, you know, Bigfoot, Nessie, that kind of stuff. But you also do a lot of other topics like folklore, right? We do. Uh, you know, 
my uh, my elevator pitch for Monster Talk was always our uh, Nessie episode, which I think was episode four. It was like really a long time ago where we did uh, we talked about it, if Nessie was a plesiosaur. We, you know, we can't really know much about Nessie. We, we could talk about critical thinking and the, you know, sort of the, the faulty evidence behind it. But if it were a real animal, if we, what do we actually know about plesiosaurs? We brought on a paleontologist, uh, Dr. Adam Stewart Smith, and we talked all about, you know, plesiosaurs. But, uh, and I love that. And that's a good ele- elevator pitch. But as you say, we've been doing the show for 10 years and I've sort of found ways to like t- squeeze like a, kitchen sponge as much out of the idea of monsters as i can so we've yeah <laughs> we've, we've gotten into a lot of monster and monster adjacent uh well, yeah, kind of, there's kind of like concept. a spring hill jack right <laughs> yeah um or you do the uh but the talking um it's not a jeff the talking mongoose yeah yeah, yeah the m- mongoose yeah so all these like weird stories which is the kind of stuff that i think trey and i both love yeah. How, how, yeah. how's the language here can i say bad words or to keep it you can say whatever, oh, you, can you, say want. whatever you want i was yeah. gonna say the like you know uh karen and i a lot of our topic selection is around what we always call is stuff that scared the shit out of us when we were kids <laughs> yeah <laughs> so and and it's been really amazingly therapeutic i mean i i sadly crossed over into my 50s i mean i'm happy to be alive but i mean yeah. you know i've still got the sort of i still feel like i'm like about 18 you know in my head sure. and so i still i still just get fascinated by mysteries and, and wanting to get to the bottom of them of, of them and but i i still remember what it's like to be alone in a creepy old house and you know be terrified by the noises or you know or to go into a mysterious woods or an old building. I, I my my dad was a carpenter, so I spent a lot of time in, in my youth uh, tearing down old buildings and you know reclaiming the materials. So oftentimes he would just drop me off at a place and say, you know, tear out this room, you know. And I, so I'd be yeah. in a house where people most definitely had died, you know, <laughs> where lots and lots of history had happened, and tearing it apart by myself. And you know, if you're going to rile up a ghost, I always thought that would be where it would happen, right? You're, you're literally destroying their home. Right. But I, I never had any of that happen. And, and then ultimately, like I was in the Navy in the Middle East. And that's when I had what I thought seemed very compellingly like that I was being haunted by some kind of ghost. I had I was in bed one night and something crawled in the bed and got on top of me or like at least that's how it felt. Yeah. And we had a lot of, of events happening. And, and, and then ultimately it, I, later, uh, several years later, I learned about sleep paralysis and realized that everything I was experienced could be explained through natural you know, science. And so uh, that helped sort of turn me from just a curious person into a skeptically curious person. And, and I think that's mm. been a good path for me. So were you ever scared of any of the monsters you now talk about, Trey, like ghosts and aliens? Oh, or... I, I was scared of, uh, of like the uh, swamp monster. The, what was the one that we were talking about? I was yes. worried about the skunk. Skank Squatch. <laughs> i was and then like the ghost episode of monster quest scared me for some reason as a kid i don't know why i, I have never been scared of ghosts like I, I grew up really quite religious you know i wasn't a materialist till i was like 20 or something but for some reason i just never gave a shit about ghosts they just <laughs> seem so wimpy to me like what are they gonna do <laughs> i don't know i just i i was scared of aliens yeah. like watching x files you know i had the window facing out to the field yeah yeah, yeah. so like i'd watch x files and that's spooky, you know? And then, like, you just look out the window, and there's nothing there to protect me. An alien could just land in the field, and he could come up and tap on my window and steal my Nintendo games, and I couldn't stop him. 
like yeah. that that was always pretty creepy to me but right I don't know, I, by the time you get to the x-files the the lore about aliens has them able to come through walls and you know they can steal you out of bed while your spouse is there next to you so i mean like you, you really there's no defense that's super scary yeah well because yeah. <laughs> it seems like a lot of these things get explained as material phenomenon and then when you know science tries to examine them and can't find them they have to move the goalposts and they become more paranormal yeah get that's more power trend yeah, yeah you know they're like oh there's a yeti out in the snow and like yeah i don't think there is okay well there's a man who runs around in in north america and he's a big ape thing they're like okay where is he he's like oh well they actually they go through portals that's why you can't find them You're yeah like, oh yeah. okay <laughs> same, same with aliens right because now they're interdimensional or whatever you know so when we find out Black Mace is behind Bigfoot, that's going to really clear a lot of yeah. stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, when it comes to uh, uh, In Search Of, um, so this is the show with Leonard Nimoy, Spock, um, also Ansem from Kingdom Hearts. In ancient times, people believed that light was a gift from an unseen land by the name of Kingdom Hearts. But Kingdom Hearts was safeguarded by its counterpart, the Keyblade. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah, he voices. Um, he does the bad guy in Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, it's really good too. He's like Kingdom Hearts. It's really good. I'll put a clip in. Um, so he basically was on the largest kind of like spooky paranormal science adjacent show at the time there there were some precursors i believe right blake like um yeah a uh, lot of this stuff came from uh producer alan landsberg yeah. and so he started out by doing a uh recut so you got to remember that the the movie version of eric von daniken's chariots of the gods the creator of ancient aliens theory basically exactly and it was it was super popular it, it was oscar I think it actually won an Oscar. Oh my God. So it was put together by a German team and, um, but they did the American version of it. Landsberg got the rights to like recut it for television. And mm -hmm. so he started out working with, um, uh, Rod Sterling, Rod Sterling. Exactly. Yeah. And cause and Rod Sterling brought that sort of, you know, twilight zone gravitas to the, the narration. There is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the twilight zone. And then, unfortunately, Serling uh, died, but it was not before they had done a couple of specials uh, in search of this, in search of that. And I think it was um, they basically they were looking to do, you know, kind of latch on to that really popular uh, ancient aliens, weird, sci, you know, paranormal monsters, all that kind of stuff. They were they were exploring that and they're getting these really high ratings on these little one off, you know, TV documentaries. And, you know, ultimately he decided to put it into a series. So the first season of In Search Of has this really inexpensive approach. But the way they do it is they basically have these paintings hanging from the ceiling, almost just like on Night Gallery. 
So uh, when my co-host and I talked about season one, it's always the night gallery set. They were almost mm. always shot in the studio with these big photographs hanging and, you know, just Leonard Nimoy walking around between these pictures, talking about whatever's happening in the episode. But I think um, it's really the birth of paranormal television of the kind you see today. And there's, you know, uh, it had some real basic science episodes in there and we're still on season three. So we're only halfway through, but um, there were a lot of, you know, there's ghosts and haunted castles and, you know, psychic pets and, that kind of stuff, but there's also volcanoes and hurricanes and tornadoes. So it's an interesting Yeah, that was one of the um, surprising things because, you know, I've watched like, you know, 15, 20 episodes of the show probably, um, and I've listened to all your podcasts and I was like, oh yeah, they do do a hurricane episode, Mm -hmm. you know, like, or um, there's the pseudo infamous one that's the global cooling episode. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Climate experts believe the next ice age is on its way. According to recent evidence, it could come sooner than anyone had expected. Um, and so that kind of age. stuff. Yeah, yeah, the coming ice age, right? Which, which is, um, I think, kind of an overblown talking point more than um, a prevalent theory at the time. Would you say that's correct? Uh, yeah, it, it wasn't a super pop. It was a real theory, a real hypothesis. Yeah. And it didn't stand up. And so science let it go. It, you know, people raised it. People sincerely raised it as a possibility. They sincerely discussed it, dismissed it because it didn't make sense. And away it it went, except that it never went away because the people who don't want to believe in human, you know, anthropically caused climate change love to go back to that topic and that episode in particular and say, see, science, you know, climate scientists don't know anything. They used to think this, and now they think that, you know. And he can't argue with Spock. I mean, he's from the future, so obviously he knows. Fascinating. <laughs> I think it it's that underlying, like, for many people, the scientific method comes across as it's simultaneously a, a supposed to be authority, yet it constantly changes. And that creates, co- you know, cognitive dissonance for them because they don't understand that that changing is that science should at its best, constantly adjust to accommodate the best evidence. So mm-hmm. that, you know, you have to let go of old hypotheses or theories, even if, if the new evidence undermines them. So that, that sort of every truth in science is, um, is what's the word I like to use here? Provisional It's provisional unless better evidence comes along and then you have to and change. I, you know, I feel so. like this is a nuance that has never been able to be fully communicated to the public. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, people keep trying. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it, it takes, I think, years. And it's a faulty system because it's built out of people. And people don't always live up to the potential of their ideas, right? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. you get a pet idea, you make your career out of it, and then the evidence changes. Some people can't let go, you know, and that's, that's, that's the sad truth. But eventually, you know, as the saying goes, you know, they'll die. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, literally, cause I mean like, um, masks of efficiency at preventing viruses was somewhat questionable. Um, when COVID started because a lot of viruses aren't that affected by low quality masks. So yeah. like the CDC did not know at the time because some, some other SARS variants and stuff, for example, um, you know, they spread a lot through like touch and everything. Yeah. Um, and co- like the different viruses are, are more affected by soap than others because, of, you know, just their cellular structure and stuff, right? So, like, there's lots of different ways to combat them. So, at the beginning, they're like, you probably don't need to wear masks. But then we found out that COVID-19 is extremely airborne, yeah. much more so than other viruses. And so, masks were more effective than 
we knew. So like early on, people asked me if they should wear a mask. I'm like, well, the CDC doesn't recommend it. And then I was like, oh, you should definitely wear a mask. They're like, oh, you're changing your opinion. I was like, well, my opinion is that we should follow the research. Yeah. And sometimes the research changes. So my opinion didn't change. We just learn new things. But it's just hard when you're telling someone you need to do this. And then you need you have to say you need to do something else. It's, it's hard for them to, to buy that. Well, um, and we're also we're running a big experiment, whether we want to be or not. And and one of the questions is, you know, do vaccines work? Well, yeah. if you look at the statistics, the people who get the vaccines tend to fare better if they get the covid and they have to go to the hospital, you know, and if they don't, they tend to they tend to fare less well. Uh, those outcomes, you know, you they're going to there's going to be a whole lot of clarity about what works and what doesn't. About three years from now, what? Yeah. <laughs> I think in, in the meantime, we have to just kind of follow the best guidance that science can offer. But it's gotten all married to politics, and and people get really tribal around their politics. And it's like, yeah, uh, and, and this is a little bit out of the scope of the show, but I mean, it's really unfortunate that um, the last um, near human that was elected president decided to politicize it so much because I don't think that like George Bush or Ronald Reagan would have done that to that degree. I think there was a particular particular kind of like bully culture war style that um, the last president um, decided to use that just made it such a part of the culture war that was unnecessary. Yeah, well, and it, it's really difficult. I think again, you're, you're right. Politics, politics is messy, but yeah. you know, it it's better to unite people around. I think topics where we can make a difference and make a change. Than to find all the, it's so easy to find the things we don't have in common. And I think yeah. good leadership should be about uniting. But when we're so evenly divided at the political power level, it's really difficult to, to, to let it go and, and, and work for, you know, collaboration, cooperations. And I think one of the problem is that most of the things we're working on right now are internal to the, like uh, the nation versus mm-hmm. having some external enemy. And, and when that's the case, it's a lot harder to get people in a you know nationalistic mindset to to work together. It, it's mm-hmm. a, you know it's, it's, there's too many reasons that people can be selfish and 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 work towards their own personal power instead of thinking about the collective well being of everyone. And well, maybe we should yeah. do an end of Watchmen and create an enemy. Well, that's um, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. being so. Right. We should all stop arguing that ghosts don't exist. Argue that ghosts do exist, and, and we're in terrible danger. Causing, <laughs> yeah, yeah, ghosts are causing COVID. Not, not just ghosts, Miles. Simply commie ghosts. Oh yeah, commie ghosts <laughs> from Atlantis. <laughs> I mean, the Atlanteans were commies, right? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, that's probably sure. true, as yeah. far as I know. But <laughs> yeah, as far as I know, yeah. <laughs> Um, did you pay guys more, the- pay less. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, be careful, Trey, for um, Blake's puns. By the way, they are they are vicious and numerous. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a condition. <laughs> um, did you guys hear the breaking news? By the way, what breaking? Which one? Uh, the Loch Ness monster was spotted again. This report out September twenty oh, fifth. That's pretty breaking, fresh. Yeah, breaking news. Um, we have a British outdoorsman, um, and he is quoted saying, "The last thing I want to do is make a Nessie claim." I'm the most skeptical of people. But watching this, I think, yeah, there's something strange here. And he posts um, some drone footage here. I'll put I'll put the link in the chat so we can all respond to this live report. Breaking news. And suddenly we were in a reaction video. What? <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, yeah, you can see here that there's a bunch of nothing um, creeping on the Scottish coast. 
Um, but if you zoom in, you see something really interesting. You okay, notice what you in, see there? We're going in. We're going in. I'm still zooming in. Uh, if you look at the first picture, there's a red circle, and that I is uh, that. Yeah, that is. They're allegedly Nessie is there, and um, the, the the sort of shape that's emerging out of the water. Yeah, sure. Um, okay. That's Nessie, apparently. And interestingly, even though like it barely looks like anything, um, friend of the um, show, Darren Nash, um, whose birthday it is today. Happy birthday to him. He has already shown that this is a um, a um, photo swapped, like uh, superimposed plastic plesiosaur that they put over the tape. Oh, is it? It's like a toy. Yep. So it's actually a plastic plesiosaur. It is actually. <laughs> hey, that's the name of the show. Wow. So, well, isn't it Nick Redfern who's like hypothesized that Nessie's the ghost of a plesiosaur? So it kind of like, oh, you I know, I can hope so. <laughs> ghost of a plesiosaur. Oh, you're right. That is literally. Just a just a toy. <laughs> yeah, it's a plastic plesiosaur. Wow, that's very on brand thing. for the show, huh? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. That's why, <laughs> yeah, that's why yeah. I had to, I had to bring it up. Couldn't like not. I mean, this is. I just that's fantastic oh, no. on your Twitter DM. Yeah, but I you agree. know, if, if that's true, though, if it, it, that's incredible, because you know, this innocent sports guy is out here taking drone footage, and then somehow Nessie photoshops herself into his photo that's amazing yeah how can we explain that now like you're you're an expert on on monsters where do you believe the loch ness monster got its photoshop training community yeah. college or do you think it pirated it no no youtube totally youtube, YouTube. yeah, oh, yeah. There, there's so many videos out there and they're free and uh that's what Ness is a lot of the time just flipping through the pages and if you're on youtube be sure to like and subscribe to trey's podcast that's right <laughs> or his youtube channel yeah yeah yeah. no but you know i've been thinking a lot about this because you know i've been doing this for more than a decade now and when I, I i you know i i'm not an angry debunker kind of person i always try to come in with what i call or, or what i've lately been calling the presumption of sincerity so when someone yeah. makes a claim i always like well let's just assume they're being sincere until we see evidence otherwise and i think what we're seeing here is evidence otherwise <laughs> yeah i mean this this is a high tier top shelf bullshit yeah yeah you know i mean well to be fair it's really hard to get locked ass monster photos these days because there's no locked ass monster that, you know that so is I, that is a big uh hurdle to overcome yeah. it really is um so i'm sympathetic to that as somebody who wants there to be locked ass monster photos but you yeah. know sometimes life is hard you gotta suck it up well you know my family went to the zoo today Mm-hmm. And and we spent a good bit of time over at the gorilla enclosure in oh, Atlanta. Awesome. Oh, it really was. But I was just watching the animals playing and looking at the people and interacting. And, you know, they're not circus animals. They, to some extent, they're just dealing with each other. But they also are aware they're being watched. And, you know, the youngsters playing. And I was just, you never see Bigfoot do that. Like, you never no. see Bigfoot turn and be curious about the people looking at Bigfoot, right? You know, it's always walking off or hiding or you know, blurry or whatever, but that's well, because humans evolved to recognize faces really well. And we can see fake faces. So if you're faking Bigfoot, you don't want to show people your face. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's the reason I just, I also saw bears and, uh, they do favor each other quite a bit. They really do. Yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah. Anyway, that, I, I, I may come down as a, you know, people call me, well, people call me lots of things, but the, the, uh, uh, the, this is, I'm not an angry debunker who, no, you know, you're, I, you're not. Senator. I think we all like this stuff a lot. Yeah. No, no, love, love this. I mean, you don't do, you know, even to take the time to look into it this much, you don't do that unless you care. Right. You know, so. Right. Why do you think, um, all three of us who are all materialist skeptic science dudes, 
talk about all this nonsense all the time. Like, why do we love it so much? Oh, I think we miss cocktail parties and yeah. just getting armed up for when they come back. What? All right. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't know. I mean, I've loved it since I was a kid. So it's really, I, I don't know what the other state would be like, you know? Yeah, fair um, enough. But I've never met anybody who didn't have an opinion. Like, like you know, who's, no, no, no. I don't know anything about that. Don't care, right? No, yeah, never everyone, met that person. If, if you ask somebody what they think about Bigfoot, they're going to talk to you, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. They, so- it's on a lot of people's minds and it has to be, it's like, it's all buried in our cultures, like everywhere. So it's, you know, it, not, not just since, you know, Sasquatch, uh, you know, beef jerky commercials, it, it's out there. So <laughs> those are pretty good commercials. They are, they're really well done. They're really well done. So out of all the, um, in search of episodes, which one surprised you the most? Like, and what the content you saw based on what you expected? Mm. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> I hadn't come out yet, but we just did one on animal ESP. Oh, uh, Jesus. And, oh, no. And what we expect, I don't, if someone says we're going to talk about animal ESP, what do you think would be in the show? Like, Dogs and cats communicating with a, their owners? They put a cat with like a little uh, little headgear on its head, electrodes sticking out of it. All that stuff's kind of there, but I, I was expecting it to be like animals can sense earthquakes and that kind of thing. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. but, like but, something that might be maybe real. Yeah, but yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. What I did not expect <laughs> was someone to be researching fish with telekinesis. <laughs> oh, but that, yeah. And, like a goldfish? Uh, I, I was delighted. Like I was delighted. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I didn't hear you there for a second. Oh, I just made a Pokemon joke. It's okay. Oh, Pokemon <laughs> joke. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, yeah. That, so, that sounds amazing. Yeah, it it, it it was. They were like fighting fish, and they were trying to get the fish to. It was like they would had a system where it could like turn a mirror on or off uh, with a random number <laughs> generator. So it's really like a, a really small version of the global consciousness project. If you're running so into it, that, it, if oh, yeah. humans, it, yeah. if if sapiens somehow evolved the ability to communicate through thoughts, whatever that means, right? We send out some kind of frequency. I mean, I guess electric eels send out a like, field of electricity, so we could send out some kind of field that could maybe be interpreted, I suppose, by some unknown organ. Why would fish also be able to do this? I, it, it It's a mystery to me. Yeah. And it, 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 why, why would you go with something as primitive as a fish? Um you know, and they're not, are fish really known for their telekinetic powers? I mean, not goldfish. I mean, yeah, no, right, right. These, these yeah. were those, what is it, betas, the fighting fish, the little, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. those. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what, uh, by any stretch of imagination, I don't know what the basis of this was, but um, it was, it matched a lot of the uh, experimental clarity. Uh, you know, like a lot of the experiments were, were like deeply flawed. And they, you know, you don't just, say. Yeah, there. You know, I'm sure you guys have talked about the Texas Sharpshooter fallacy. They were looking for disruptions in the pattern of of statistics. Like, what are the outcomes you would expect? And yeah, like, yeah. Looking for like, like where it would be different. And so, if they found something, if um, if our period, listeners don't know, that's basically like it's like say you shoot at the side of a barn, and then you take your shot and you make you know, get your bullet hole, then you run up there and draw the bullseye around the bullet hole. Exactly. So in this mm. case, you look for clusters, circle those clusters, and go, aha, here's our proof, right? So if you flip a coin a bunch of times, you'll see yeah. there's runs of different numbers. That's normal. The more experiments you do, then the less that noise shows up, right? But in this particular case, all these yeah. experiments seem much more like you may find a correlation, but proving causation, 
first of all, almost impossible. And second of all, replication, almost impossible. So in the experiments, it felt like there was a lot of uh, correlation, but very little proof of causation. And there was never going to be replication in these experiments. That these are is is it's delightful 1970s wackadoo is what it there's really a is. lot of um <laughs> bad 70s like uh psychic reporting like oh yeah crazy. and where you would run into this stuff on in search of but also on uh, uh that's incredible which was also an alan landsberg show so mm. uh, the, the 70s had some pretty wild stuff unfortunately you know i was in a really tight church three times a week fundamentalist family with limited tv access so i I missed a lot of these really important cultural landmarks (laughs) so i'm catching up now (laughs) is there any episode of in search of where you think they actually found anything Uh, not so far but it wasn't really exactly an investigative show largely it was just you know talking about footage yeah (laughs) yeah well well, a a lot of that you know they buy footage from different people and just talk through a topic. It was some of these episodes are almost like little Wikipedia articles. Yeah. They really are. Uh, and, well, they found so, some stuff in monster quest on our show. They found a, a giant squid in the golf where they didn't think there was one. So. Oh, well, you know, I, I really loved monster quest when it was on and the, uh, the dog man episode they did. I'd love, you know, oh, yeah. dog man. so, dog man's so funny. <laughs> have you gotten to that one? You probably, well, of course, Michigan, you, Michigan dog man. Yeah. You, I don't remember what season that, that might've been like season three. It's been a while since I've watched them. There's American werewolf, uh, season one. Is that the one with the dog man footage? Yeah. It looks like, uh, Oh, where he's like running on all four. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's the one. <laughs> that's, yeah. I love that. I think that's the one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where you actually get to meet the hoaxer. I mean, that's, that was brilliant. That was great. Yeah. yeah, we haven't so, got to that one yet, but we will, and it should be a fun one. So, so it might not be a hoax, or I'm just going to leave that up to the viewers to. <laughs> oh, we're good, we're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the the creepiest episodes of In Search of I remember as a kid was the Bermuda Triangle one. There was like a, it was like a, there's like a clip of like a radio show where some crazy guy calls in and he's mm-hmm. like, it's a portal to another dimension, and they're still alive, the people that go missing in there and stuff like that. <laughs> yes. Yep, that is that. I agree with you. That is a very creepy moment because I, but even the way it's presented, it, it's it's um, it's one of those almost like he's calling from inside the house kind of scenarios. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. very very spooky. Yeah, the the music like the the sort of dated seventies like synth or music or whatever that they have in in search of is yeah. amazing. It's the intro theme. You yeah. should hear the intro to uh, in research of his podcast. It's awesome. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's super good. With lyrics by me. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I want to. I see sing it. it sometimes. It's quite good. I, it is weirdly catchy. My kids were yeah. really annoyed, but I I really do enjoy hearing it. So most but, of the time, uh, I hear about your kids. It's in reference to their annoyance levels. That's, when you mention uh, them, you're like, "Oh, my kids were annoyed about this." <laughs> that's how I bring them up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the uh, that's the electric barbed wire of their youth is keeping them in the pen, right? <laughs> and as a as a '90s kid, I remember thinking that like quicksand, killer bees, acid rain, and the Bermuda Triangle were going to be like four major obstacles in my life that I was yeah. going to have to learn to deal with. You know, <laughs> <laughs> all of those are in that show, right? They do an episode on all of them. I haven't seen quicksand, not quicksand. Yeah, we yet. definitely got killer bees, and uh, we've got the uh, Bermuda Triangle. What was the third one? Uh, killer bees. Oh, acid rain. Acid rain. rain. Yeah, I haven't. I don't know if we get to that either. That's that's pretty. Um, it's like nineties. Yeah, that's yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, but, it was a really serious problem. Really, but yeah. very, I was very concerned about all of them growing up, you know, I, I, and I feel like I've made it through life not needing to use any of my protective knowledge against these things. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think some of these are wins. Like, I mean, like, you know, the ozone layer is still an issue, but we yeah, did. I mean, we, the, we the hole's gone, right? We, we fixed the hole. We did something. It, we, <laughs> we've, we've stopped the problem from growing the way it was. Yeah. It's still, there's still a big hole in the ozone layer, but we, we really acted well. I think, and did a good job of making that a better world. Acid rain also has gotten better. I mean, it was, you would have thought we wouldn't have any statues anywhere by now. Like it was like, they're yeah. always showing, you know, you know, limestone buildings and other things, you know, getting just dissolved. So I think that's actually improved too, but, but uh, and we've gotten lead out of the gasoline and that's helped uh, stop may, have actually even helped cut down on crime, which is weird, but I've, I've read. Yeah. Some that's a Freakonomics argument. You know, it's hard to yeah. say, but it is interesting. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's mentioned- certainly an interesting hypothesis, but, it, but it's still definitely better in like for our brains. We mentioned once in cosmos that one of the few things Carl Sagan says, which I think was woo. It's when you mentioned that like the lead lining of the aqueducts may have led to the fall of the Roman empire. That's always and been one like, of those <laughs> things that's like, you know, I, I always wondered about cause they, they had lead for a long time, you know? Um, but th- it doesn't it oxidize or something like the, isn't there a coating on the outside? Yeah, it will. But what about uh, the bees and the Bermuda Triangle? Like, how are we doing yeah, on yeah, those the, fronts? The, you know, the we're Bermuda winning Triangle would normally have already been full of bees by now, but they keep warping out into another dimension. So it's actually oh. negating each other. It's really cool. <laughs> that is great to hear. You know, <laughs> science. <laughs> so the killer bees thing. I mean, Africanized honeybees mm-hmm. are still out there. Yeah, and and that is definitely an invasive species, but they haven't spread um, as wildly and as dangerously as was expected. That's a really interesting story. That the the Africanized bees only like have been a challenge in the like in this hemisphere since the 1950s because they were accidentally released from a a bee lab in, in I believe Brazil, and they slowly have been working their way north, and they're in America now, but they're just. They just haven't been as big of an issue as, as you would have thought from from television in the seventies. Well, we have uh, their um, HD remaster version now, the Mor- Murder Hornet. So. The Murder Hornet, yeah, yeah. Who is not a threat to humans, despite its awesome name. Yeah, yeah, and they are a spectacularly large, you know, insect. Down here in Georgia, we've got the uh, what they call the cicada killer. It's a it's a mm. solitary uh, hornet. It's a about three inches long. It's black and white. It's really an amazingly big wasp-shaped thing. I wouldn't oh, want to be stung God. by one. But that's uh, huge. Seen, oh my you gosh, seen them, Trey? Looked at a picture. No, I, I I think I've seen these in in person. I just know how big a cicada is, and I see it next to one. I'm like, oh damn! Yeah, yeah. No, they, they grab a cicada and run off with it. Yeah, they, it, they're right. big. They're big. They're are they they're like. And I mean, we obviously even real hornets are a, a pretty big hazard if you run into them, but. uh uh, we get cicada. I swear it looked like one just flew by my window, but <laughs> <laughs> he heard you. He's like, "What's up, man?" I, I have one that's been hanging out in my front yard. Was had me on. It was on my mind because um, I took some video of it crawling around, grabbing stuff off the ground. It's really interesting. So we just anyways. in Nor- in Northern California where I grew up, we have mud daubers. You know the the oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah got, they make yeah. all their mud nests. We used to fight them all the time. We'd always lose, but you know they were good fights, fair fights. So one of your recent episodes of um, In Search of, you go over the Tunguska event and the we, we episode did. of it. Yeah. Um, we have a really cool news story that's modern to talk about this. But how about uh, um, you tell us a little bit about like what the In Search of episode went into on this? So we kind of see the 
like history of talking about this event and what the event is. Yeah, the the in search of episode was interesting because uh, so briefly, the Tunguska event was this really explosive, violent cosmic event where a, a like. 700 square miles of trees got knocked down. I think the estimates have it over 80 million trees. Um, and there was a bright flash of light and a shock wave. And, but it was in this really rural area of um, Siberia, the, where the, Tung, the Tungus people live. And so it's called Tunguska. And um, <clears throat> excuse me, the um, there's, there's questions about what happened. Like, I mean, the, the most, obvious idea would be something fell out of the sky you know aliens but but (laughs) (laughs) well that's that's the in search of episode has questions like was it a meteor was it a comet or was it the nuclear blast from a failed space probe or a spaceship right uh they they not bring up the um black hole hypothesis in, in the micro black hole okay yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. I, love, I love that one the the micro black hole was actually the most fun the crazy thing about that episode was i was chugging along watching it and all of a sudden isaac asimov shows up in the episode i was like Which what, is, what? what the? <laughs> wait <laughs> Very they, they thought it was a, a nuclear like weapon in 1908 well they thought that it was a not a nuclear weapon but that it was the nuclear power supply for either a, a spaceship or a space probe from an alien technology Trey, oh. there's there's really popular selling books that say that the world blew up in a nuclear explosion thousands of years ago. We rebuilt after that. So, I mean, oh, I seen away it isn't that crazy, yeah. man. There, oh, God. I, I am not well versed enough in uh, in the uh, religions of India, but the, in the Vedas, there's some uh, there's been interpretations. It feels to me like this is white people messing with other people's religions, but uh, it, 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 Oh no, there's creation. The, basically the creationists of India think that India used to be a super high tech society that got destroyed. Yeah. That's basically their creationists. I, I know the, I know like the, the lines they're in, uh, I think the Mahabharata uh, that you're referring to where it's like uh, ancient aliens, people have taken them out of context where it says like, Oh, people's fingernails fell off and their hair fell out or something like they make it sound like it's radiation poisoning. Yeah. But it's, it's really like a plague. It's talking about a plague or rats eating off fingernails or something like that to completely take it out of context. Yeah. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. I I think there's a, (laughs) I've been thinking a lot about the sort of baked in colonialism with all of the stuff with cryptozoology that I do, because it's always your monster is our actual animal, right? Like really? Okay. You know, so it, 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 there's a, there's a lot of we that. We could talk on. about that forever, but we should probably move on because that's yeah, like a whole yeah, show. Yeah, no. so, yeah. <laughs> oh, the other one that's not covered in the episode but has become popular since then is the idea of Tesla's death machine or like some kind of death ray from Nikola <laughs> oh, Tesla. Gosh. So, but Tesla, in the one episode, of the most overrated people on the whole internet. <laughs> <laughs> Come at me if you don't like that take, but <laughs> basically there's an oatmeal comic on the internet like 12, 13 years ago that kind of like misexplains the Tesla Edison debate yeah. and the whole internet has taken this as the only reading of history and yeah. turned Tesla into the super tech savior and Edison into this absolute monster who never did anything good and it's yeah. all a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, it it, it th- that's a really complicated story. Um and Edison is a, like a pet peeve of mine because he's one of those people who gets a tremendous amount of credit for inventing things, but really should be like a, a like a, a really great example of people who collaborated. He was a big collaborator, but but he liked all the credit and he had the money. He ran the labs, 
but you don't see Edison slapping other people's names on stuff. It's Edison. You know? Yeah, you stand lead it a bit. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but he also, if he had an idea, he would hunker down. He was not a person to really. He was. Boy, have we art. brought up a lot of topics in the last three minutes. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we had we had a lot of opinions about a lot of things. Um, yeah. But sorry, everyone. Basically, we got maybe a meteor. <laughs> Maybe a nuclear bomb, maybe a little black hole that went through Tunguska and then popped yeah. out the ocean on the other side. Uh, maybe a death ray, maybe right. a comet. Yeah, maybe and something. May- maybe a spaceship. Yeah, maybe a spaceship. So those are our maybes. Yeah. Um, what kind of happened? Like, so what is this thing? There's a big hole in the ground somewhere in the wilderness in Russia, right? But you know what I didn't hear in all those theories was that maybe those people in Tunguska were sinners and the Lord smote them. Oh yeah. <laughs> So, Trey, what do you have to say about that? Oh, gosh. Oh, no. <laughs> there was a, uh, we'll get into it. So there was a recent story. Um, I think it was published a couple, published a couple days ago. <laughs> published. Um, we'll talk about the published. It, there was a paper published mm-hmm. in, um, people thought it was Nature, but it's like a related uh, publication called like uh, Scientific Reports. Um, yes. Which is a very lame sounding name for a, a peer reviewed paper. <laughs> I digress. Um, it well, I mean, is... science and nature are just called science and nature. Okay. All right. That's true. Okay. They're I mean, all trying to get like the most basic name ever, like they're getting the first URL, you know? Scientific reports. Anyways, <laughs> there is a paper that came out and it was exam- It was discussing a um, Bronze Age site in uh, Jordan, okay. uh, north of the Dead Sea, called Tal el Hammam. Or Tel El Hamam, I've heard. It's, it's, yeah, I think Tal El Hamam. Yeah, um, and it is like uh, the paper claimed that there's evidence at this site that uh, an explosion, like a meteorite explosion, uh, like on the level of like the Tunguska event, um, occurred at this site in the Bronze Age and destroyed the site. And and in the abstract, they say that this is this is possibly this is Sodom. They, they, they described in Genesis, and yeah, and people, people, some, some people pointed to it's like, oh, it's they found Sodom finally, and, and evidence of that validates uh, Genesis. Yeah, yeah, there was like a 2013 book by uh, Stephen Collins called "Discovering the City of Sodom," right. and it's basically about the idea that this destroyed city was actually Sodom. Uh, and it's been real controversial because, uh, among the, even among the biblical, uh, archeologists, because some people are obviously biblical literalists and the times and dates don't quite work right. Mm. So, um, I think some people want to move the dates rather than, you know, it, it's, <sighs> I'm not an archeologist, but I, I, I do find it fascinating, uh, how much of it in the middle East is driven by people who want the Bible to be true or who are driven by, you know, biblical references into their research. Yeah. And, and Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah for context here is of course the two cities mentioned in the Hebrew Bible. So- Sodom is an alleged place. These are like um, the, the Minneapolis St. Paul of, of the Bible, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so basic, basically the story is that you have these, these places that are struck down by God for their transgressions. Um, so Sodom has often been linked um to being destroyed because of homosexuality. That's an important way that modern and like 14th century on Christians would talk about it. Um, If that is actually in the Hebrew Bible is somewhat debated. Um, You can look at verses from Ezekiel 
where they kind of talk about why it would be destroyed where um, they would say I, I've heard arguments that the 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 actual crime that was committed in Sodom is like a violation of like guest like, oh God, hospitality no, laws hospitality like guest guest right kind of yeah thing. yeah well so oh. like the the thing I was going to quote in Ezekiel says that the the reason it was destroyed is thou sister Sodom pride fullness of bread and abundance of idleness was in her daughters and his and his daughters neither did they strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. And they were haughty and committed abominations before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. So it's so Atlantis. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it seems similar to the Atlantis story that, um, you know, they had all these hub- human hubris and yeah. lack of empathy problems. And that's why it was destroyed. Mm. Gods don't like pride. You know, <laughs> well, yeah, people telling stories about gods don't like pride. Yeah, especially, especially pride over the gods or something like that, where humans feel more important. Exactly. Yeah, we don't need because, you anymore. Because your power as the storyteller comes from people listening to you and you say God says things. So you got to tell people that if you don't listen to God, he'll beat you up. Yeah. That's how you keep your power. It's like that Always Sunny episode with the master. What? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> um, The one where uh, a dentist writes the letters and tells him not to eat the Thin Mints and he puts them in the cult, right? And he doesn't start listening to him. So he starts changing the letters and like... Forcing them to do more things. Come on, ass kickers, let's get out of here before we're tainted by these disgusting women. Mm-hmm. All right. God, crazy. Failed that test. That's why we didn't pass the... Go kick some ass, huh? Go kick some ass. <laughs> Thought you could outmaster the master, idiots. So you swayed them back. Well, uh, whatever, we can do that, too. Do you think this is easy? You need years of practice to even sniff my talent for manipulation. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have a cult that needs a charismatic leader. <laughs> Yeah. God damn it, Frank. God damn it. No. <laughs> That's perfect. Oh my god. Then yeah, then in the end the one guy um burns himself to death and he's like, Thank you for trusting me with this. I'll put in the clips. People will know. <laughs> I'm excited to listen to it. <laughs> it's a good episode. Okay, I'm gonna have my hot take. Okay. Tell tell Tal El Hamam is not Sodom. What? Isn't it just isn't it like there's so many problems with this identification um first of all like the location doesn't really work um i heard that it's like too far north than mm-hmm. like the typical uh, like description that is typically fought like accredited to by biblical scholars um then also here the major problem is that it's like the the lair that they date the destruction to um is like it's like several hundred years too late like the mm. patriarchal period is typically dated to like the early Bronze Age. Um, that's like when the Sodom would have been set. But the lair at the site is like Middle Bronze II, which is like several hundred years too late. Uh, and then a major, this is probably like the biggest flaw of it, is that uh, the site shows like clear evidence that it was continually inhabited after the destruction um, into the Iron Age, into the Roman period, and even into Islamic times. So like uh, it contradicts what's described in the Bible where Sodom is uh, rendered like uninhabited. It's it's destroyed. And even at the time of Jesus, nobody inhabits it anymore. People turned into salt. It's a messy it, place. It, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And it's clear that the authors of this paper are sort of uh, twisting, like bending over backwards to make this site fit the the Bible. Do you think, is that, is that, was that you're reading for Cause I thought they, they said at the top, they were going to, leave the question of whether it was Sodom out of the paper and, and largely they do, but the timing, yeah. uh, I mean, it's like 
the whole point about narrowing down the time seems like that's the whole point of it is to see if it's possible. <laughs> if it's right. I, I, I feel like they, I read, I know that they said that, but I feel like they said that just so they wouldn't get like torn apart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. it might be facking, you know, they're just, just asking questions, you know, Oh, it's, if it's this timeline, what does that mean for Sodom kind of thing? You know, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a multidisciplinary paper. So it's got like mm-hmm. what, 18 people writing on it. Like, so it's covering That's a lot of people, a lot, a lot of, of stuff. People. Uh, but there's like people with debatable uh, backgrounds in it. Uh, there's people that I don't want to like tear them apart, but like it's a valid conversation to have is that like some of the archaeologists or individuals on this project have ulterior motives, I think. Um, yeah. There's some from uh, Trinity Southwest University, which is a uh, unaccredited university in uh, a strip mall in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And it has clear. It's a Christian university. It's clear statements of faith that they're trying. Their cert, their goal is to uphold the biblical, literal biblical accounts and stuff. Because hmm. um, you know you don't want to poison the well for all the work that may have gone into this, but it makes you wonder why anyone would work with, yeah, um, such they, a motivated yeah. person there. because they get a discount at the pack and ship in the same strip mall. Well, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, you know, if, if you're getting two for a dollar slices at the food court, I mean, I get it, man. I mean, I, you know. If your university is right next to Twister's Burgers, yeah. eh, I think it's in the strip mall. What, you got, what are you going to do? It's a little, it's a little, and I've heard, in the, so when this came out, there were a lot of like uh, other archaeologists, uh, granted, like not in like a peer reviewed setting, but like on like, but Twitter, Twitter, <laughs> Twitter um, yeah. who were like the, the, like they are quick to say that it was like a, a meteorite catastrophe, but it could like the evidence that they say like there's melted pottery or uh, melted crystals or something like that yeah there's Um, the diamond and um there's all kinds of nodules and little little balls that from like an impact that they you know and they're trying to talk about the quality of those and the dates and they found some skeletal remains that might have been contemporaneous with whatever disaster happened Hmm. so yeah I, i i think you know because it's multidisciplinary it has this interesting effect that when I read it, I go, I know a little bit about that. I don't know enough about that. Is that right. true? I don't know. You need almost like a multidisciplinary response to the paper. I heard, I heard uh, criticisms from like geologists that there weren't enough uh, geologists on the paper. Yeah. Um, that like there was one, there was one geologist and, and no, and nobody else. And he said he he's worked with this geologist, but he respectfully disagrees with their, their claims on the paper. Well, yeah. why did this story get so much um, attention? Why did it get, put in the place that it was why did was there graphics and it i believe it was on the cover of the magazine right so like or the journal like why it's evocative i guess it's everybody there this happens like almost every couple years is that somebody claims to have people have been looking for sodom and gomorrah for like literally centuries um and 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 people have been trying to make ones fit that don't exactly fit there's all there's always like problems with it uh dating it or uh, it shows signs of habitation afterwards. It doesn't really match what's described in the Bible. I don't. I, yeah, I don't know why this story got so much attention because there's even a lot of Christians who disagree with it. Um, I read some Christian news sites and they they were saying that like some of, like they interviewed uh, one biblical archaeologist and they they disagree with Stephen Collins on his um, dating where he he really like the the site doesn't fit the dating of the Bible, so he goes that. Um, Abraham's age was like a metaphor, like his age of, uh, you know, 170 or something, 130. How old is Abraham? I think Abraham's older than that, wasn't he? 
Abraham. I know he had many sons. He did have many sons. <laughs> Let's see. I mean, Methuselah was 900 years old. Yeah, he, yeah, but he, he, Abraham he, wasn't that old. I mean, yeah. Abraham, according to the Bible, was 175. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, I knew yeah. he was a little, yeah. He died which, so young. Yeah, which <laughs> I, I agree with Stephen Collins on this uh, this point that I highly doubt that an actual person lived to 175. But Yeah, probably um, a good guess. He he. It's clear that like a lot of these these uh, these people ignore what the Bible says in one area. They say like, oh, that's that's not literal, and then and then moved and then uh, accept some other stuff as fact. Where yeah, that's the whole game, man. Yeah, it, it's a little uh, like like um, his chronology. It messes up when the Jews are in in Egypt. Uh, like it doesn't give enough time for them to have enough large enough population. Well, look, I've read the Harry Potter books, and King's Cross Station is a real place, so we just have to find Hogwarts. Yeah, that's the (laughs) – Spider-Man's in New York, so. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think think all the searching for Sodom and Gomorrah is kind of like a fool's errand. You're not going to find it, I feel like. Don't you feel bad for Gomorrah, though? Like it's always (laughs) Sodom. It's sodomy and Sodom and Sodom, but it's never – what about Gomorrah? Well, There's Gamora, a, you don't even go to Gamora. It just gets destroyed yeah. for no, for no Brad, reason. Brad Neely has a joke um, with this professor. There's like a substitute <laughs> professor, and he's telling the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he goes, there's Sodom, which is, of course, named after sodomy. And then there's Gamora, which is named after an even weirder move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's the Gamora of the story. So. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, yeah, basically... Tunguska took out Sodom, apparently. Yeah. So, I mean, what's the Tunguska connection to this exactly? The, they they claim that like a a comet explosion or meteorite explosion similar to what happened in Tunguska killed Tal El Hamam. Uh, based I, on I, what exactly? I'm, on, I'm not I'm not really clear on this story. This story's confusing me. They, so, so I'm not a huge geology guy, so I can't really evaluate yeah. their claims. Um, but I've talked to people who are geologists, and they say that uh, conquest and war could also cause some of the indications that they find at the site. Yeah. Um, in the pottery or in the the uh, diamond uh, stuff, the I don't know the. Like, so basically, uh, you, when the Trinity bomb went off, it it fused the sand into glass, and they they make this weird little green glass they call trinitite, right? So mm-hmm. the same thing here that like when you have a really massive explosion like this, the, the heat shock wave, all these things can create mineral effects, burning shock waves you know and, and and that's they basically were going through the the archaeological site looking for evidence that there had been this kind of uh you know meteoric event well and if so, god did it it is a trinity bomb right yeah because i oh <laughs> well that's played good. yeah yeah that's there you go blink that's for you buddy <laughs> i like it because <laughs> I've, I've heard this exact claim about uh mohindra daro in uh in this in this river valley um, that they that ancient the ancient aliens has made this claim that a like an ancient a bomb went off and infused all this stuff. But the 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 melted glass or vitrification that they're talking about, um, it's like stuff that you would find not necessary. It's not exclusive to an atom bomb would cause it. Other other factors can cause it too. Uh, so yeah. what happened at Tunguska? I mean, we I don't think we believe that we found Sodom. I don't think we believe that a Tunguska-like event destroyed Sodom. Uh, I don't think we believe that it was Tesla death rays or black holes or UFOs or atom bombs. But what do we think actually happened in this forest in northern Russia? 
Well, the the best evidence that I've been able to find, or the the general consensus, most likely, mm. is it was a meteor strike, and that the meteor exploded in the air, and when it did so, it knocked all the trees down, created a firebomb effect, and then like the vacuum from that shockwave knocked the fire out and left these you know, 80 million trees laying on the ground with a little cool circle of trees that are straight up and down in the center. Uh, yeah. it, it's, it's very spectacular. So we, we talked about in our coverage on in, in research of the, it, when the Hiroshima bomb went off, there's that famous building that's got the sort of metal dome on it. That's that still stood up when the rest of the city got knocked down. And it's the same kind of effect. That was the epicenter of the blast. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the reason people sometimes say it was a comet was because there was no rock. They didn't find like a big rock in the Yeah, middle. there's not a traditional yeah. impact crater and right. there's not the exotic, you know, space metal there. It's much it's- more like an airburst, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and so uh it, you know, created a lot of smoke and uh weird lighting effects that, that was were seen all over the world. It's the- kind of like Hulk's thunderclap where there was like a big explosion and yeah. the force goes out and knocks everything down. <laughs> exactly. And so that's why you don't have the, um, and the physical only thing, impact. The only thing more powerful than that is uh, when Batman uh, boxes the Hulk's ears in the crossover event. That's uh, yeah, that's a Hulk would beat the shit out of Batman. No, no, he, it's because he, yeah, Batman the, boxes his ears 90s, because I saw 90s. it. I, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's canon. I don't like, I don't like Batman. I'm just going to go on the record. I know I work in comics, I just don't like Batman. I don't don't like him. Bad attitude, you know, grumpy, weird guy. Too much money. All that money couldn't afford therapy. (laughs) I like Spider Man. He's my guy. The big takeaway from my son. My son says the big takeaway from Batman is don't wear pearls down an alley. (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) Don't don't flaunt your wealth in a in a scary area. (laughs) Well, they were leaving the opera house, man. (laughs) <laughs> that scene though there's a million of that scene with the pearls getting i know it's always the pearls it's, right it's, a trope. It's, it's too cinematic so <laughs> well we went over monster talk a bit we rambled some we brought up a lot of topics that we couldn't fully cover because i think we all like the same stuff and have a lot to say uh, <laughs> we we talked about a bunch of trees getting knocked down a bunch of nonsense about trees getting knocked down and then some weird old stories in the bible but now it's time to get to our favorite and most important part of the show what part of the show is that trey Monster Quest. <laughs> monster Quest. You want to give us a Monster Quest, Blake? Monster Quest. There we go. Yeah, okay. that's good. Awesome. <laughs> Head start. Witnesses around the world report seeing monsters. Are they real or imaginary? Science searches for answers. On Monster Quest. Heck yeah. Okay. So this time, let me let me go to IMDb here. We skipped around for Blake. Blake wanted to do the pig story. Went hog wild. Hogzilla. Oh, yeah, oh that's right. God. That's a whoever created the name Hogzilla, they they deserve a prize. That's that's awesome right there. Okay, so Monster Talk this time. We're skipping yes. ahead a few times because we have Blake, Mr. Monster Talk himself on, and we had him pick an episode and he wanted to do Mega Hogs. Now, um, what are we looking for here, guys? We're looking for a giant pig. Giant pig. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not that complicated. It's just like a big pig. Yeah. It's not but, a pleasy sore in a lake. It's not part moth, part part man. Not even a giant squid. It's just not, a really damn big pig. There yeah. is a particular quote in this episode that I love, and it's a guy who goes, My goal right now is big hog. 
<laughs> That's his goal. It's like, all right, you can't disagree with that. Time for some peak pork. <laughs> okay, so um, in the intro, we hear uh, people are seeing pigs of monster epic proportions, which, you know, I thought was pretty cool. Um, these are really large boars. We're talking like a thousand pounds, right? Like half a ton boar. That's a lot of pig. That's a lot of bacon. Um, is there any in history tray any pigs that were this size like because i i think of a pig i think of like wilbur or babe right yeah but like we're talking like really big pigs so is there any like um like relic species that that comes to mind when thinking about this size of pig the episode references uh intellidots mm-hmm. which were these sort of large um they they look a lot like pigs. They're they're huge. They some of them got really huge. Um oh Archeo and Teledon. What is it? Archeo? Oh god, I forgot the biggest one. The biggest one was really big. I like Archeo. Archeo means older pig. And <laughs> <laughs> Teledon, let's see. Let me do this real quick. I need to know its name. I'm gonna my paleontology people are gonna kick my ass for this. No, they're so picky, man. Deodon? Deodon is a good mm-hmm. one. Let's see. What there was another one. Anyways, uh, they're Intellodons. Intellodons are these big pig-like creatures the the common like name that was given to them are like the terminator pigs or hell pigs Ooh, yeah yeah hell really? pigs yeah i've seen hell pigs on youtube yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good um, one see scientists suck at naming stuff man like they, they basically name it like old pig and then like name it after how many toes it has or whatever but like you know us humanities people are like, that's a hell pig right there you know like hell that's, pig. that's how you get people to care about this pig that's dead most they're, too, they're too busy naming every friggin' moon cycle now. They can't stop and name some pigs. That's the problem. <laughs> they can't name planets at all, dude. I talked about this the other day. Like planets are like T four six two nine P four. I'm like, I'm just like, dude, you're fired. Get but, out but, of here. Back well, back. Who's doing the moon? No, seriously, who's doing the moon thing? Because it's, it's like Blood Raven Moon. You know, yeah. be sure to get outside for the, the Emerald Fire Moon. What? Are you, what's going on with the moon? <laughs> it's just the moon, man. It's, yeah, it's just it's, it's been it's a bunch of rock that used to be here got knocked off and now yeah, it just exactly it's like, moves it's, around out there it's not a big deal i don't know who's doing the moon's pr but they're really knocking it out of the park lately i don't <laughs> sounds good yeah anyway uh, they did they talk about this sort of these giant prehistoric hogs right? yeah and and the thing is here's a clear uh thing to bring up is that like these these intelligence they were really big but they weren't actually true pigs. Yeah, they're uh, not true pigs. Yeah. They're they're actually so like this was a big study that came out. I think it was in like the early 2000s or something. They they evaluated it and like they're now closest related to like whales and hippos. They're in like the what's the name of the clad? It's Cinta Santonda. Oh god, Hippopotamorphia or something like that is the the clad wow. name. It uh it's a uh, and it's like the group that includes whales, hippos. And then like Andrew Sarkis and, and those. So pigs. yeah, so they look phenotypically like a pig, but they're not pigs, right? Yeah. They're just they're predators. They're hell pigs, of course, but hell has a different evolutionary track. Than <laughs> Earth. I thought I, it was interesting. They they talk about the prehistoric ones, but they don't talk about any like mythical or folklore giant pigs. They just hop right. Like yeah. Heracles kills a boar, right? He sure like, does. The, was it the Arimanthian boar? I think. Yeah, you got to talk about that. Yeah. It seems like a thing that would have come up, you know. And um, Celtic myths talk about boar hunts all the time, you know. Yeah, so. that th- that that seemed like a miss to me. It seemed like a, an opportunity <laughs> lost. So I think they were trying to be a bit more materialist. My, my yeah, that's probably what their big goal. 
Yeah. Miles, they could have they could have done like what they did with the uh, Russian Killer Eight Men and brought up King Kong out of nowhere. Oh, of the dude, this is <laughs> not no absolutely nowhere. They're like, well, in King Kong, uh, shit happens. So who knows what could happen in real life? And you're like, okay, guys. <laughs> I like King Kong a lot too. One of my favorite movies. But uh, yeah, like, the and, uh, more, I didn't hear any discussion of werebores. Yeah, these. I mean, there's a lot of opportunities lost here. A lot of opportunities lost. How are you gonna yeah. not bring up lycanthropy? <laughs> but anyway so why why blake why do well, we why are we even looking for pigs did they find any big pigs what's going on here i think this is largely a response episode to an incident that happened in georgia called hogzilla mm-hmm. and they don't really talk much about that particular case but there's a bunch of once hogzilla hit the the news there were a lot of um copy pig cases you know (laughs) so there really are large populations of feral pigs all over the american south lately like it's 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 been a growing problem they said in the episode that texas has more than two million feral hogs which really was a surprisingly large number to me is that counting the humans or just the pigs no it's just the pigs just the pigs yeah i see what you did there though So you guys are both in Georgia. You guys out fighting these things? You see them? What's going on? Uh, Go ahead, Trey. I have never seen a feral hog or anything like that in Georgia. Um, I have not hunted them, but they've been all over my grandfather's farm. So um, they were a problem. Now, he used to raise hogs, and and the difference in these animals is pretty spectacular. So um, as, as they said in the episode, if you raise hogs, you can get them quite large. But the feral ones typically aren't as big because they're not they don't have the nutrition, right? So they spend a lot of time rooting around. Where they they cause a lot of damage because when, you know, a four hundred pound hog wants to go through your fence, it just takes the fence down. Yeah, it just kind of does it, right? <laughs> just, you just don't have a fence anymore. That's how that works. And so they they mostly, in my experience, have been nuisance animals because they will tear up fencing and, and which will let out your livestock and they'll eat your crops and that kind of thing. But they also they, make a lot of wallows. They, they, they yeah, they root. Stuff. Right. Yeah. So, um, if you got a farm, they go on your farm and they mess up your farm. Um, but Hogzilla was, was such a special case because the claim was the pig was, I think 12 feet long and a thousand pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A thousand that's pounds. a big pig. That's a big pig. And this is the one in 2004, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so in 2004, we allegedly have this 1,000-pound pig, and there's a photo of it and everything, right? There's a guy holding it up like a shark. Looks like it's Jaws, right? Yeah. So, that's, I mean, that's, you know, evidence. This is a real thing. It's not like a, a sighting or anything. Um, so, we got that. And then in 2007, there was a mega hog shot yeah. that was over 1,000 pounds. <laughs> yeah, you can't, call the, you can't call them both Hogzilla. Cause well, you, you got to go a, yeah, a yeah. son of Hogzilla. Right. <laughs> well, traditionally, in, King in Kong. It's like King Kong. That doesn't work. <laughs> no, no, you, you got to do right. Son of. Try my best. Um, yeah, because they had Son of Kong was a sequel to King Kong, so which is not very good. It was okay, I guess. Oh, um, it's, it's got it, it's too many people, not enough monsters. But I, when you finally do get to the White Ape, he's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's there's 30 good minutes in there in that movie. I'd well, and the movie's only like what 70 is it's, it's short. Yeah, yeah. It was short and fast. They knocked that one out fast. Yeah, man. They, they're yeah. trying to make some money. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay. I'm surprised that, uh, they didn't make a sequel to the, was it, was it 2012? They did Kong. 
with uh, Peter Jackson. It might be 2008. That, that sounds about right. Uh, yeah. But, but they, when, when they did the Peter Jackson version, you know, it took them 30 minutes to get to Skull Island. I was like, good Lord. But uh, yeah, that one's not quite the masterpiece of the original. No, no, I, I, I and thought, there's no killer hogs in it, so I mean, what's even the point? Yeah, yeah, this is also a good point. I, I guess I just thought that the the way the the sequel deals with like the fallout for uh, the promoter and his goal, like trying to <laughs> clear his name and make some money. I don't know. I I like it. I still have a fine place for it, but it has way too many musical numbers and just it kind of drags. Yeah, but King Kong doesn't even get a song. How can you name name a movie King Kong and he doesn't even get a leading song? That's um, a good point. Dr. Zayas got a song. <laughs> that's a good reference right boom i put that clip in okay yeah. so in, <laughs> and in 2007 farmers they um they shot one pig that looked like a, a boar right it was like all burly it looked like yeah. the boar from princess mononoke yeah and um they said they tried to weigh it and they had to weigh it on two scales yeah, that they were cut it in half and both the scales topped out at 300 and they figured it was still topped out with the two halves. So they figured about 700 pounds, 715, 720. Yeah. Yeah. So basically we got giant boar hell spawn pigs and they're running around in Georgia, messing up Trey's garden. <laughs> and that's why he doesn't garden no more. That's why he's inside on YouTube all the time. He's afraid uh, of the outside. And speaking of boar, in Poland, I had to deal with boars. They would go into the archaeological site and uh, and chew up the bones. They bore right into them. They bore wow. right into them. That's right. Yeah, we had to cover it up every single day. Bone chewers. Jeez, that's Wait, crazy. So these are not fossils. These are just old bones. These are just old human bones, yeah. It's wow. a medieval Polish graveyard with uh, giants and vampires. <laughs> no, maybe not. We don't know yet. Maybe. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting the pictures. <laughs> Six fingers, double rows of teeth, the whole shebang. Well, he had a forced perspective photo of a rather large well, skeleton that's, of okay. a giant. You can't just say that. That's like, you got, that's, that's like a key to this whole episode. Okay. There's no wow. such thing as forced perspective. Moving on. Yeah. Um, People will say that, like, I like del- purpose because those I lost all those photos when my phone uh, broke. Yeah, you lost them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know what you did. And did a boar sneak in and delete your photos too? Is that is there some kind of pattern here? Is it's a little hoof? <laughs> <laughs> little, 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 little piggies. Yeah. That's what, yeah. Okay. Anyway. Um, okay. So that's what we're looking for, guys. Yes. So, Blake, what's the search? What are we doing to try to find these Hellspawn pigs? Well, they got people uh, riding around on horseback looking for them. They got oh, they're they putting out do. bait. Uh, my favorite one, though, is an experiment where they, uh, I like the word experiment, they, they catch a hog and they mount a camera to its head with the intent of it, you know, to go out and look for, I don't know, 
a, a herd of larger hogs. That I guess they think this is like a runt and it's going to go find the master hog. I don't know what they think. So hogs this do is something exactly. Doug Hijack likes to do. Yeah. Um, he's really a big proponent of putting cameras in natural settings to see what happens. He's had a lot of success doing this for like real normal science stuff. Yeah, it, was, actual, it was cool in the squid episode. Yeah, he's got actual <laughs> results from doing this kind of stuff, so he likes it. So I believe his plan was to go back to that well, and they had this camera set up for deer they were going to yeah, put it on. Yeah, so. and they found initially there were some problems because it turned out that hogs ha- have no antlers and no neck. So well, they didn't think about that at the time. I mean, yeah. who could have known? So. <laughs> this was a big surprise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, shit, um, so we didn't think of this. <laughs> what's the one guy's name who is the big Texas dude? I like that guy. Oh, I don't know. I, one. There were some great, like, there were some great Texas people. Uh, there were great accents. There was one guy that looked like Wilford Brimley, 30 years younger. Yeah, Wilford Brimley. He's <laughs> like, well, I heard they were talking about hogs. And so, I mean, you got to call me up and have me deal with hogs. I mean, I'm the hog guy. I mean, what you That's right. Do? That's right. Yeah. I was like, yeah, man, they should call you. You look like the guy they should call. Going in whole hog. We're going to get to the bottom of this thing. That's yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> if, if I was going out there hogging, you know, I'd be calling, I, I'd be knocking on his door, you know? Yeah, um, no, it, it really did look like a bigger, younger Wilford Brimley, and he talked like him. So, so also <laughs> watch when they're, watch they're looking close. for, <laughs> they're they're going through all the old newspaper stuff, looking for weird things, right? Which they they often do in the show. They do with the fine old monster stories and stuff. Yeah, um, like Trey, what was the sky monster we talked about last time? Oh, the Crawfordville monster. Yeah, the Crawfordville monster. So they do that. <laughs> they they try to find some phenomenon in an old paper that is similar. And this one, they bring up Big Bill. Um, which was a giant pig. He was a uh, a Poland China pig. Yeah, I think um, he was. Wasn't he two thousand pounds? He was huge. Yeah, let me read his little biography that they have in the newspaper. <laughs> it's so great. So it says: Breed Poland China, born March nineteen thirty in Weekly Country, Tennessee, raised by Walter J. Chaplin and Martin Tennessee. Death nineteen thirty three at age three due three to fever old. caused by a broken leg. Put oh, down no. chloroform. Oh my god! Yeah, wait. <laughs> Two five five two, so we're over two thousand five hundred pounds. Length nine feet, height four and a half feet. Diet cornmeal and sweet molasses. Oh my god, sweet molasses. <laughs> so I think they just so that's this pig who this apparently pig has diabetes. Is I think yeah yeah he got a broken leg and a yeah. fever and they killed it with chlorophyll. Which yeah. ugh, don't it's three years old though. Isn't that crazy? That's wild to me. Like, yeah. I mean, geez, that's just a lot of energy you're putting into this. That's a lot of mitosis. Man, this thing is growing and growing. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it is. It's like, that's a, I mean, I wow. simply just poured syrup over a bunch of corn and just gave it to him every day. I, mean, with, does, I guess I could wish is like from a food taste, does, does this pig like just come with like a maple profile? Like it already tastes like <laughs> syrup I mean, sauce. I'm eating some Harbo gummy snakes right now while we're doing this podcast. And that's kind of the same thing. It's just it's corn syrup, right? Yeah. So I'm like, oh crap! <laughs> I see my future in Big again, Bill here. Oh, Big, Big Bill? Bill? Yeah, Big of course Bill. it's Big Bill. I mean, what else are you gonna name it? But he wasn't wild, though, right? He was no, no, he was, no. no. Okay. He was a a, a Poland China breed of domestic pig. Okay, um, no, but he is. Isn't that a weird name though? Poland China? Like, what? Those are not I mean, really I close just, to each other. Yeah, I didn't look it up. Don't know. Okay, um, all right. <laughs> yeah, didn't, didn't look it up. Um, well, that's you, big right? bill so can pigs get over a thousand pounds yes that's a fact can they double that yes and plus some so it is possible for this species in general to get this large um does that mean that feral hogs which are slightly different 
they're not a different species, right? They can still interbreed, I imagine. Here's the right. crazy thing. It, uh, a hog that looks like Big Bill, which is a, mm-hmm. basically just a big old porker, just a yeah. normal looking pig. If you let it out in the wild, they make, within a couple of years, physiological changes and revert to become feral. And they look like a wild boar. They get thick, coarse hair. It's crazy. As long as you keep them in a farm, they look like normal domestic pigs. But they will change like a werewolf into what looks like a wild boar just by leaving them out of the, like getting them out of the cage and letting them live on a natural diet. So I've always found that fascinating. But I'm going to edit that out. They just are werewolves. They were pigs. That is exactly what is happening. It's like they, they, a normal pig turns into a wild, crazy boar. It, that, and it, it's just, I don't know. I've always been fascinated. I haven't been able to find uh, the, the answer to this. And I, I assume somebody knows, but it's the what are the genetic changes that, that trigger that phenotype change, right? So, so it yeah. must be some epi- a, it, epigenetic thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, there's basically hormone trackers. You know, it happens in humans. If you grow up in poverty, certain stress levels affect how you develop, right? So, and I mean, apparently, um, if you're born in front in a higher latitude, your like, uh, your chest or like, uh, chest capacity is more like barrel shaped and stuff like that. And it's not yeah. necessarily like, you, you passed on from your parents it's like where you grew up and stuff yeah the cool. epigenetics is fascinating and and yeah, there's and, a lot of pseudoscience around it too well there is there is yeah. but it also it's like you know you take the same instruction set and it is clever enough that's really the wrong word but it can respond to lots of different environments right that's why it's so hard to talk about this stuff you yeah say clever right. our language like, is oh, limited uh, like you know there's all yeah. our language has a lot of poetry built into it which is you know a, 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 a really good agar for nonsense as frank herbert said words always express the ambiguity used to select them so. well said yeah i'm surprised we didn't talk about sandworms as a possible cause for the end of sodom but yeah here we are <laughs> <laughs> plus they're coming and they're going um I like doing a lot of people listen to this podcast. I don't talk about it much on here, but normally if you hear behind a podcast, I'm talking about doom. So um, anyway, regardless of Frank Herbert. Um, are so pigs, so are is pigs this related? pig the Quetzalcoatl Hogarak? Oh, <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, <laughs> I can't even recover from that. Um, so are, are pigs native to North America? I don't even know this. No. Um, yeah, I wouldn't um, think so. Pe- uh, so there's there's a so there's New World peccaries which are very similar looking to pigs, yeah, but they're yeah. not true pigs. Okay, phenotypically similar, but and they're yeah, and they're native to North America and South America. Um, but they've been sort of they're they're sort of being outcompeted by the feral hogs, which are domesticated okay. pigs yeah. that were brought over by Europeans. But they're so all just- <laughs> I guess all pigs are from the root race. <laughs> So like like when we say geez, when we say things like true pigs and stuff, what we kind of mean like to put this example, if you know the thylacine, right? The yeah. um the the dog like creature in Australia, they're yeah. not canis, you know, right. they're, they're, they're convergent evolution. They they feel the same. Yeah, niche, but nature right? has a way of there's just good body types or stuff yeah. that just works, and different evolutionary strands find this. So things may look like a pig. You might be see that and be oh that's a pig, but it's not really. It comes from a different track. Um, creationists call that use this argument to make kinds you know they say yeah. but um people who can understand uh genetics can see these differences well you i'm just looking at panda bears and sun bears and they're they're pretty close to each other in the zoo and they look similar in body shape but they're not very closely related yeah right. yeah so so the, these hogs these hogs giant or normal size are an invasive species then 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, any anytime you're dealing with like a domestic breeds that get loose and you know go wild, you're different. And, it, and in this case, you know, not native to the United States. We in here in Georgia, we've got um, in addition to like these various domestic breeds, um, multiple times over history, um, European settlers have brought in boars. So there are some European boars that are native here now, but they're not native species. They're, they've just been living here for a long, long time. Hmm. And I've seen. I've been living in Georgia for most of my 52 years and I've seen two wild boars that were th- of the European variety. Uh, so they're not super common around here. And I live in North Georgia, um, uh-huh. but the feral hogs are quite common. The more, now the more South you go where there's lots and lots of open farmland, uh, you'll see more of them, but mm. uh, they are, they are pretty common. Yeah. So. Why didn't you go catch a hog for us to interview this episode, Trey? What are you doing? <laughs> I, I need to get on it. I need to gra- like just grab one. <laughs> You're in the right state. We're counting on you, man. They, they, uh, like they, they don't. There's so many of them because they don't have any predators, right? They are very few predators in the U.S. Just Homo sapiens. Just Homo. Yeah, because there's not there. There's not enough cougars. There's not enough wolves to really take care of them. They just get out of control. We need to import cougars and wolves to Georgia. <laughs> That's the solution. Okay, so they tell a story about a man who was attacked by a hog. Mm-hmm. Um, this well, was- several, it seems like, within the episode got attacked. Yeah. Yeah, I but- mean, that's just what you do in Georgia. Well, it's it's interesting because much like the people who get bit by snakes, it turns out all these people were messing with the hogs. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I think they're not, it's not like they're going door to door and attacking people. It's like if you bother a wild hog, you know, maybe if you run up on an animal that weighs 400 pounds and has like two big tusks coming out of the side of it, leave it alone. Yeah. yeah. So the guy is out there hunting them, you know, and he gets, he has his cage. Cause that's the way a lot of people hunt them. They put out a large cage and they put some yeah. corn meat down or whatever. Um, he goes to check on his cage and there was a mother boar inside there and there were some piglets out around it. Um, he felt bad since he caught a female and didn't want to kill it because, you know, mess up all the baby pigs. So he was going to let it go. At least that's what he says. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, man. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I'll just go with what the episode says. Um, so he pops the thing open and the boar just immediately just quick attacks him, you know, like just high roll gets out there, crits the guy and he's like, oh, crap. So he has to jump on top of the cage and he's hanging on top of the cage. And apparently the boar is just messing with him when he's up there and cuts him up and he's bleeding. And he says he passes out and wakes up like later in the day and like has to go get help and everything. Yeah. So, you know, that he could have died. I guess he was on the ground. Yeah. No, it's a scary story. It's a good thing. Clotting happens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If you don't have scurvy. Um, what? <laughs> this random guy had scurvy. <laughs> had scurvy. I don't know what people eat. We don't know if he has grog. It's a really good question. No, people, we don't. <laughs> people eat in the south. I have no idea. You have peach cobbler, right? And if you right. run out of peach cobbler, you had some limes. Well, I had some lima beans and cornbread. That's yeah. basically yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for my um, the stereotypes of the south. It's, no, no, it's, it's not wrong. I'm from California and <laughs> Seattle, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And then, oh my gosh, the, the guys who kept shooting the hog, trying to kill it, and then he ends up trying to like make a goofy picture riding the hog and then the hog jumps up and runs out. That's a great story. Uh, it's, that's a good f- campfire story about the, the time I almost got killed trying to ride a, you know, 700 pound hog. So I, um, now this story, I can't corroborate that much. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but this is the thing that happened to me. Um, okay. I was trying to find the newspaper story to show you guys, but I, I couldn't find it. So in Chico, California, 
this is like real Northern California. So like North of Sacramento, right? Um, it was a Saturday. Um, my father left me $20. And so I went to walk the mile down the road to Hollywood video so I could rent some PlayStation two games, maybe the mummy Two, you know, buy some mountain dew, come back and have a good Saturday. Um, to the East of our house is like the airport and runway. Then it goes up to paradise, which is more woodland. Um, kind of area there's a little bridge that goes over this creek that goes out that way i was walking over the bridge one on this day to rent my playstation 2 games i heard a lot of ruffling and scruffling down in this creek and there's a lot of like um manzanita and brush kind of down in there so you can't quite all the way see into the creek i was like man that's weird it must be a dog or something maybe a deer you sometimes see deer but i was like man it sure sounds big in there and i, I like threw a rock to try to scare it to see what it was and I couldn't see nothing. So, you know, I had to go do the important thing and get my PlayStation 2 games. So I come home and have my day. And then my dad mentions on the news that day that someone had seen a wild boar and Chico towards the airfield later that day and they shot and killed it. And I always thought that was one of the weirdest things because I'd never seen a boar in Northern California. I don't even know if there really are boars in Northern California. Um, I lived there a long time and was in the woods a lot. I always just thought this was one of the weirdest things that ever happened to me. And watching this episode, I kept thinking about that. So that's that's my little story of maybe encountering a boar. I didn't see it. I heard it. And then like a mile and a half away from it, one was allegedly shot and killed that day. So it's kind of like a cryptid sighting, I guess. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I, kinda, mean, I, I couldn't I don't find think there's it. anything biologically implausible with a wild boar living in Northern California. Yeah, there are a lot of pigs. There are yeah. a lot of pigs. So they could have been loose and happened. I, I think they totally could. We have acorns and stuff, so they could definitely live there. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there was a boar shot and killed. I'm pretty darn sure I remember that. Um, my yeah. memory could be wrong. I tried to find the thing. I mean, it's a small town paper, right? So it's a, uh, maybe Blake's better at that kind of research. He does that stuff a lot. But, um, I do a lot of research. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. do a lot of newspaper research. Yeah, it's a little yeah. crazy. So, but yeah, so that's a little weird story that uh, probably happened to me. I think I remember it correctly. Yeah, that's the thing though about a lot of these weird things. People are remembering their memory, you know. So, like, well, we I, were, we were doing one episode of of a uh, in research of, and I forget what the topic was, but we got into the question of like, you know, what animals kill the most people, you know and mosquitoes well <laughs> yeah true uh, but boring it, answer but true but 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 also boring answer livestock on farms yeah so donkeys cows, cows cows donkeys uh you know horses the they kill pigs they mm. kill a lot of people if donkeys just, are mean dude donkeys whoop yeah ass. yeah i mean they a lot are. of that's opportunity cost right like humans need to be around the animal often for them to be killed by it often well exactly it was just statistics right you know it's like like hippos it's, it's, kill more people than lions. That's because no one's going near a lion. Yeah, you know, and, and nobody expects a hippo to be able to run thirty pounds on or thirty miles an hour on land. That yeah. and that that's a that's a scary thing to have happen. <laughs> hippos are awesome. I love hippos. I'd love to get yeah. killed by a hippo one day. Yeah, that's it's, it's how a lot of us want to go. Yeah, you know? just be like, <laughs> what happened? Like, oh man, this big fat water beast just took him down, dude. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'd be like, heck yeah, threw boys. him in the air. I think we all remember from that documentary, uh, Congo. <laughs> how terrifying hippos can be <laughs> a weird movie um, so. <laughs> so they they do catch a pig though right like, like yeah we they do about. they catch yeah. a pig and they put a deer camera on it 
And what did they find, Trey? What did we get from this deer camera pig? We, we got like absolutely nothing. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, camera quality, the camera sucked. The hog cam, it's, it's cool on paper, sucks in, in, in like practice. Because like they have to like remain close to the hog in order to get a feed. And yeah. like what they get, it's like a third of the image is its, is its ear. And then the rest of it's just yeah. like, it's, it's forest moving around really, really fast. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, weird static on the image, like you know vertical and horizontal problems, and then like you say, a good chunk of it's ear cam. It's just like the kind of view between one ear and the top of the forehead, yeah. and it's not very clear at all. Yeah, and they set out a bunch of camera traps, which Doug is all about camera traps. That's his his thing. Uh, you know the the game trail ones. Oh yeah, those yeah. are great. I mean this this show was probably a better advertisement for that technology than anything else been on TV. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I about that several times. Big camera is the yeah is the person selling this show. Um, and there's certainly, a- I bought one. I mean, yeah. because because of the show. I mean, they they just the the motion detector, small video. I mean, the the technology has come down in price. You you know, for less than a hundred bucks, you can get a really kick ass day um, and night camera. You got to see some compact flashcards, which was nice. That's right. That's yep. right. The, the old <laughs> one gig compact flashcards. I saw those. I was like, heck yeah. <laughs> This used to be like $120 for a gig compact flash card, man. It's crazy. Um, yeah. My wife just got a new camera and she got a, a, I got her a 64 gig just to start off with. Cause I didn't know how many pictures yeah. she was going to take, but uh, she was, she, uh, bless her heart. She was struggling to put it in the camera. I was like, baby, this is the same technology from like 2005. Yeah. Why, why, why are you struggling with this? It's like, <laughs> we had VHS tapes in the first episode we watched when they were looking for a champ. So, Oh, that was yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just cool seeing the old technology. It is level tech. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Anyway, we also have a team on horses on horseback go out look for these uh, hell pigs for Hogzilla. Yes. Yeah, uh, and the- yeah. They say that the pigs might be scared of uh, bipedal creatures, but not quadrupedal creatures. The, yeah, I was really surprised by that. Like, they were like, "Yeah, if you if you go out on a horse, you can get a lot closer to the prey." Because it'll be, it'll understand the four-legged animal. You know, it'll be friends with the four. And I've never heard that before. Well, no. Patterson and Gilman got the best video of Bigfoot. Well, there's that. that. That's a good point. That's, that's what I was point. thinking of when they said that. I was like, that's why I didn't scare away the Squatch. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is we need more Bigfoot hunts on I'm saying all these guys on the Bigfoot hunting shows, wimpy. They were real men. They would go out there on horseback, and they'd find that darn thing. You know? No, see, I'm going to go a step further and say, well, really, for hiring for monster hunters, we should have centaurs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not horseback. We need horsemen, okay? Remember the horse that just wiped out oh, in this dude, episode? That, that was, was awful. Like, I think that was the most traumatic moment in the history of Monster Quest so far. Yeah, it was like I was like, oh, my God. And it kept on, like, falling over. Yeah. yeah this guy's like this beautiful horse, and it's walking up this mountain ridge so they can go find a hell pig, Hogzilla. And then he just falls over on these sharp rocks, man. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And he tries to get up like three times. He's having a hard time. And that was stressful, dude. That, yeah. Like your your horse almost gets like a leg broken looking for. Right. <laughs> That's all I kept thinking about was like I I kept meaning to go. I should have just paused and looked it up. But it's like, you know, if you watch an old cowboy movie, if the horse breaks his leg, you shoot it. Yeah. yeah. It's like they actually do that with racehorses. Is that still a thing they do? I was like wondering, like, why? I mean, like, is there no way to like put them into a prosthetic or or like a. So, horse legs are not that great at repairing themselves. They normally have quite a hard time because they're literally Uh, like they're, it's like a long finger, right? It's like just a really long finger. Yeah. And there's a lot of arteries down there. They normally have like heart problems. I mean, it can be repaired, 
But that horse is going to need a lot of money and a lot of care to be okay with a broken leg. And it's an extreme amount of pain. So a lot of times they, they put them down for that. So Well, they do. They do. Yeah. I yeah. just, I didn't know if it was like still as like, is that rant? So really, as soon as we can, we need to get horses to space so they can mend. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. 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 That just makes good sense. I'd rather send a horse to space than a billionaire. Well, <laughs> I'd send a billionaire to space. It's the retrieval, which is <laughs> that's the part people have a problem with. Space horses could be a thing. Space horse, veterinary, space station. Well, you know, I'm going to cut this. But in the yeah. <laughs> uh, movie that in the movie franchise that I'm not going to name on here because I refuse to talk about it. Um, in the Disney versions, there is a space horse. And, I am um, so intrigued now. I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't even want to say its name. In in Disney's attempt to make a Star Wars movie, their third one. There's a space horse in that movie? Which they cause Rise of Skywalker. There's a space oh, horse that rides what you're talking about. on a Victory Class Star Destroyer out in space. Oh my god. I was totally unaware of that. And I saw those movies. That's yeah, again, really I don't weird. I do not want to fucking talk about these movies. <laughs> okay, we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. I hate those good. movies more than I hate ghosts. That would but, be cool though. You know. <laughs> I do hate ghosts quite a bit. Um <laughs> just don't like them. Boring. I also I don't like ghosts and I don't like the fucking um um the doll people, the Lorraines. Don't like them. The Warrens? Yeah. The Warrens, yeah. Don't want to hear about them. All right. I hate those people. They're so annoying to me. They're just very <laughs> annoying to me. They're these weird Christian people that got like nothing to say and they call themselves researchers and stuff and they just I don't know. It was not well, it's not ghosts, it's demons. That's the thing. There's always demons with them. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, sorry, that's an aside. I'm going off the road. Yeah, yeah, no worries, no worries. I'm cutting so, all that shit. We're, we're taking space horses out. Yeah, we'll we started talking about space horses, and <laughs> everything has gone to shit. <laughs> anyway, so, so yeah, we you know we got stories of people being attacked, looking for pigs. We got horses falling down. We got we got cameras being wasted. Yeah, what do we find though in the, the end? They didn't get the camera back, right? It, no, it just, it's gone. No, it's the, the camera's gone. They they went to some. They did. They stopped to give some detail about how fabric will rot, and that they built in fabric into the head harness that's designed to rot off. Yeah, no animals um, were harmed in the making of this film. Right, basically, yeah, yeah, basically. What, so, what was the point of that experiment? Then it was pointless. They they got well, a camera on a pig for ten minutes, and then I it, think they were trying to do the giant squid thing again, Trey. Right, so they like. Yeah, exactly. If that little pig had gone back to the base and discovered, like, it was able to dock with the master pig, (laughs) they would have. (laughs) It's like Princess Mononoke. They all have, like, their leader who's larger than the other ones. So they go to him and they present their findings and they have cold court and everything. So when that happens, we'd get the video. (laughs) We get the video. Exactly. Exactly. So the the king hog would be revealed. If you understand Celtic mythology, though, you obviously just can't enter into the wild so easily. There's always a cost, you know, that's why it tried to take the horse because when, when humans try to enter into the wild wet realm and see these like, you know, avatars of nature, there's a cost. Oh, exactly. And because they refused to allow the sacrifice of the horse, it took the next best thing and sacrificed the technology. And their compact flashcard. Exactly. And by taking those things, it was able to find the master hog, but unfortunately we got no video. And this is why you need cross-discipline understanding of these things. (laughs) You can understand all these nuances. That's why you need us humanities people so we can make up bullshit from other stories. Otherwise, you'll never understand the natural world. This is all about the Sausage journey, as Joseph Campbell once talked about. <laughs> but okay, Blake, let's get down to it. We didn't find their search was basically nothing. Not a very good search in this episode, right? Yeah, they were looking in the wrong place. Yeah, 
I, I will. Say, I will say though, they were in the wrong place. It's a, well, they were looking zone. in the wrong place because they were already there with their giant pig. They just didn't set up a forced perspective shot. That's the whole point. <laughs> the whole thing. Um, That's I, the whole thing. I will. It's say, all about photography. I will say real quick. They did have an actual scientist on there that did, um, yeah. did some good science. And, I liked it. Yeah, and he looked at the skulls of some of these pigs that were killed, and he was able to determine that they were domestic pigs. Hmm. which is um, reasonable yeah but i i do have a question though um if the, these pigs can revert feral would their skull shape change that much if they've already passed adolescence no but they do grow tusks so they do grow so, tusks, so they don't have those right right so the intention that they have for being domestic pigs stays the same but the but the they will develop tusks and in the thick coarse hair but the skull shape is more rounded yeah. So, okay. yeah, there was a really they had some really good examples of that in the episode where they, the difference between a domestic pig skull and then one that was like a, a feral but raised in the wild skull. Mm. And um, I, I want to say a little something. They they didn't really get into this within the episode, but there was a National Geographic documentary about I think it was Nat Geo about Hogzilla where they actually like excavated the corpse (laughs) like like it really was about specifically the hogzilla case and it turned out there was a lot going on there that was a little bit complicated like the tell us tell us the whole story of the actual hogzilla event because they don't get it all to in the findings of monster quest but basically in the monster quest episode they do the oh well some people said it was a thousand pounds science can't confirm it who knows who's right kind of thing right yeah, but, but my this is from recollection. Now I was trying to dig up so a lot of the stuff that I used to have about this is fallen off the internet, and I can't dig it out even of the internet archive. So uh, some of this came from some re- a really interesting place when I, I was used to run a site called Monster Science, and and on that site we I got to reprint some really good information that I had found about Hogzilla. And I thought, you know, I was like looking into it and this, this woman had put together this really neat collection of stories about the media coverage and where they went wrong and like what the real science of it all was. And I was like, well, she's really done. And that's not really the main thing of her site. Her site's about media ethics, but Mm. that was where she went with it. And it turned out that this woman was actually the widow of Stephen Jay Gould, the biologist. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Her name is Rhonda Roland Shearer. And I'll, I'll see if I can find more because she used to have a whole bunch of extensive articles about this but the real hogzilla was a really big pig it really was and it was feral in, in its morphology but it had obviously been farm raised at some point so when it was young it was on a farm mm. um and it was on a high protein diet it was eating if i remember correctly there was a like a fish farm nearby mm. where they were using high protein fish feed and it was eating that feed. Like somebody may have been putting the feed out for it to help it get bigger, that kind of thing. Like it's a little unclear if that was, yeah. it, it was whether it was robbing or being fed. It was, it had access to extremely high protein, good diet, right? And uh, when it was killed, it was obviously a very large hog. And I, again, I, I think we talked about briefly this idea of the uh, presumption of sincerity in these cases. Um, I think the people who killed this hog know exactly how big it was. So I have to say there's, there's very little chance that they accidentally mischaracterized it. Like it, it seems like it was on purpose. They took a really cool photo of the hog and it looks enormous, but this is a forced perspective photo, right? Yeah. I, which I, is a thing that fishermen do all the time. Yeah. It's super common in sport. If you go to any site where they do sport, 
sports hunting, sports fishing websites. They they do this all the time. Mountain goats, bears, all kinds of animals. You um, know, during the Iraq War, there's a very famous photo of a camel spider. Oh yeah, that was yeah. held up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, and and that was an example of forced perspective. I remember arguing about this in like seventh grade or whatever all the time. I was like, people, they're not that big. You can Google them, and they're like, no, I'm yeah, not. they're, just, the they're just not. Yeah, I'm like yeah. I know you saw the photo. What I'm trying to tell you is look at other photos. <laughs> exactly. So I think I, my recollection. I, I was trying to find the Nat Geo expert, the, the documentary that I'd seen. I couldn't find it, but I think Hogzilla was probably around 750 pounds, which is really big it's a really yeah. big pig See, that's <laughs> it's just not a thousand there's like this plausible deniability thing because it is a legit large pig right yeah but like that's never enough for people it's a big fish story yeah you, right. you, you're probably both too young to remember so hold on a second do you, yeah. you remember the tv show hee-haw yeah i know hee-haw bro okay um so there was a guy on hee-haw named junior samples mm-hmm. right right and junior samples was from georgia and he was on the show. It was just a real simple country guy. He was not a comedian. He was just like a guy who drank beer and fished. And some, but he pulled off this crazy hoax in Georgia where he claimed to have caught the biggest bass ever caught. And he made a record of him telling the story of it. And that's how he became famous. But what he had actually done was I think he got like a, uh, another kind of fish, like a sea bass or like some yeah. bigger fish. And substituted that. And so like it, all he had left was the skeleton, you know, sure. and at the time he was able to pull this amazing hoax off. And, and but, it, but the, the funny part is just this country guy telling a story about this big fish. Hogzilla is a big fish. Yeah. That's all Hogzilla is. It's a big fish story. It is a large hog, but it is not as large as they were claiming. Well, I, so. I, so there's some talk that um, the people who shot this were completely aware that it was a domestic pig and that, um, it was still domesticated for quite a while and they let it go. Yeah. And then hunted it and killed it. Yeah. That's what I think happened. I, yeah. I think, yeah. I think it was a big pig and they let it go feral and you know, then it looks cool. I Which mean, is it really similar does. to your story. So basically largemouth bass, the world record is 25 pounds, right? Yeah. So like you can get a sea bass, which physical physiologically look a little bit different, but when it's a dead, they, they look pretty similar. And, you know, sea bass can get 50, 60 pounds, right? So you catch one of them and then you you do it or, or you farm up a, um, a largemouth bass to be over 25 in like a domestic tank, let it go and then catch it, you know, which is cheating, basically. So, yeah. Are you you bring a salmon with you on a trout fish, you know, yeah. and like, pull, look what I caught. <laughs> what? <shit. laughs> that's a big trout, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's probably what happened. And then they use this forced perspective thing. It's a shame, too, because it's such a, it's a giant animal. It's really cool. Yeah, very. And, and you know, and I, I, so, I mean, Monster Quest starts out with hype, but I mean, ultimately it was a story about pigs. I mean, you know, and pigs are real and pigs, you know, can be dangerous. They, I mean, they tried to make them seem more dangerous and scary, but, you know, they're more nuisance than horror story, right? So, right. but, yeah, but there is some fascinating science to be discussed that there. And, and so I just, how did the I, media cover the story in your opinion? Did they cover it uh, well or poorly? Oh no! It, it's shitty as a Nessie story. Temporarily, yeah. Oh no! Am, am I breaking up again? I think Blake cut out again. Oh, oh no! Okay, hold on. And unfortunately, that was the end of Blake. His internet connection seemed to have dropped out, so we lost his recording at the end. Trey and I went on to talk about the comment section with Blake, where there was a few funny ones in there, but not the best we've ever had. We then talked about our ratings for the show. I gave it a five. 
Blake gave it a five and Trey was a little bit more down on it and gave it a four. But we thought, you know, it was a decent episode. Um, we were all really pleased with our conversation and thank Blake for coming on the show. I've been a big listener to his podcast, Monster Talk. And I definitely recommend you go check it out because he has a huge back catalog of really great research, um, folk tales and mysteries and monster stories and his show in research of. So please check that out. And although the sign off got unrecorded, I just want to say thank you again for coming on the show, Blake, and I hope everybody enjoyed it. I know Trey and I really enjoyed you. But anyway, Trey, we had yes. another Monster Quest talk. We did. We did. We talked about hot air smashing into the ground. Maybe it took out biblical cities. Probably it didn't. <laughs> we talked about one of the pig. best podcasts out there, Monster Talk. That's right. And talk about pig. Yeah, we talked about In Search of, um, which most of the time they talk about Leonard Nimoy's turtlenecks on that show. We didn't mention that, but if you're interested in that, that's why you should listen to that show, not because of the science and stuff, but the fashion. And uh, <laughs> we're, I'm very thankful to have Blake on here. I listen to him talk all the time. <laughs> yeah, same stuff. Uh, I think I got a few puns in there myself, so I'm proud of that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was really great to have you, Blake. Uh, it was really good to finally talk to you, and thanks for coming on. Uh, hopefully, I'll, I'll edit this good to make us all sound smart and on topic, so people will keep listening to all of our stuff. Yeah, thank you so much for being on, though. Yeah, yeah. Here's... Oh, no, you're good. <laughs> and, well, I guess that's the sign-off, everybody. Goodbye. Uh, thanks for backing us on Patreon. Thanks for liking and subscribing and all that stuff. And share the podcast, read books, go out there and explore.